Welcome. Kayleen McCaw here, taking you on another journey into the mystic. I just want to begin by lighting the cup of joy, which as near as I can tell is the medicine for our time. So let that light our moment together and lead the way. Joining me today in this series of ongoing conversations where we demonstrate the forgotten power of how to have civil discourse, uh, find a truth that arises within the midst of good-hearted people, is Dr. Larry Bacham, the lead pastor of the Suncoast Community Church, who has had his own experience with change and how to be a, a person of integrity in a world that is swirling around us at an incredible rapid space. Welcome, welcome Larry. It's nice to be here, thank you for having me. Absolutely, so we uh, have had this conversation before when I was doing a radio show and had the original version of Into the Mystic, which at the end of this, if you'd like to, uh, to hear the original conversation, it's on my website at kayleenmacaw.com. So today, I want to just have a conversation about, uh, you know, where the church is at in the middle of this and where it might be going to. Um, I honor you as a representative of the church that is open-minded enough to realize that we all need to be able to talk to each other. Agreed. A, a lot of us, I mean us, you know, the, the group of people that I have been in the habit of interacting with most recently tend to have a lot of trauma around the church and the God stories that we've been told and an expectation that, you know, anybody who's still inside the Jesus story is probably an enemy. Right. And that's just not useful right now. Not useful at all. Um, so what's happening, what's happening at Suncoast? How are you responding to the crisis? Well, uh, it started, um, my son is very concerned. He's uh, 33 years old. And his anxiety level is a little higher than mine. We did a podcast and, and talked about uh, the fact that he is anxiety prone and I am the opposite. I'm the guy that in the midst of the storm is, uh, is taking a nap. So, <laughs> but, but, so between the two of us, we find a better middle ground because I think people should be concerned. They shouldn't be, be asleep. On the other hand, we shouldn't panic. So I remember coming back from Tallahassee a few weeks ago. And they were saying, you know, are, are you going to have services this weekend? And I said, well, I don't know why we would cancel if Disney World is open. And then an hour later, Disney World closed. And I was like, okay, so we need to look at this seriously. And I don't base what I do on Disney, but they're a pretty good public company to watch and see what they're doing. Mm -hmm. So we came back and we started for the last uh, six weeks. We've had no services on our campus. We practice uh uh, safe distancing. Uh, we just think that's important. We're trying to respect, uh, you know, what is appropriate and not be foolish because I think some could say, well, you know, God's going to take care of us and heal us and, and we'll be fine. Right. And, uh, and I, of course I have tongue in cheek responses to that. That's probably, uh, something I don't like to say to public to large groups of people, but <laughs> if God's going to take care of us, then why do you need to take care of this and save us all the trouble? So there's a lot of false expectations i think that people put on god and those kind of things so we went through easter for the first time uh, in my lifetime without uh, uh public services but we are a very high tech community we do things online so for us it, we just doubled down what we normally do 
And for us, it was not a big transition for us to do online because we've, you know, we have hundreds of people watching every weekend, even when we have services. So, but on Easter, there was, I think it was 1400 computers tuned in, wow. which is a lot of computers checking out what we have to say. And, uh, and for me personally, I want to let you know, it's no fun. I, I, it's the least enjoyable teaching I've ever done in my life because there's nobody to look at. So I bring in four or five staff people and set them around the, this huge auditorium. So there's someone there, but I was telling my wife, I said, you know, this is just not, I don't, it's, there's an energy that I'm losing. I get a lot of feedback. I, I like to tell a joke. And, I, and when I tell a joke, I like people to laugh. I mean, it's just a crazy right. thing, but, uh, but she made some profound insight. She said, maybe, maybe they need to hear what you have to say anyway, because people are trapped and they're looking for hope. And I'm a person of hope. We'll get through this together. I, uh, I check the news. I watch the graphs. I see what's going on. But uh, the church has entered into a seclusion, at least in some measure. But the community is still a strong. So we, we have a few slogans. Don't go to church. Be the church. Right. That's a pretty good thing to do. So my daughter, who's a school teacher, she said, Dad, I'm getting a stimulus check. But I, I still have a salary. I don't know what to do with it. She said, yeah, I don't think it's good for me to just... I don't need all that money. I'd like to give part of it or all of it away. Do you think there's someone who needs it more than I do? <laughs> and that created the wheels turning. So within a week, we created a website called suncoast-cares.com. And there's two main buttons on there. One is if you have a stimulus check that you've gotten and you don't need it, you can donate some or part of it or none of it. It doesn't matter to us. But if you decide that you want it to get to where it really helps people 100% of what you give, will be given out. So, so far, I checked the website, 133 families have been helped in the last couple of weeks. $25,000 has come in and all that money goes out. But, you know, we have an administrative staff. One of the ladies in our, in our, on our staff does this wonderfully. She vets people and she pays utility bills, uh, grocery bills. Uh, she does not give out cash because we've learned better than to do that. And, uh, and we're occasionally, you know, people try to scam us and we're, but we've got both eyes open, but we are really helping a lot of families. So in this dark cloud, there is this little bit of silver lining to where we are being this community that's trying to help people. And I think that's where we need to be. Yeah, that's, and I think we've got to look for the silver linings because I agree. I mean, that's what the darkness is for, <laughs> is to give the light uh, the opportunity to shine. Um, yeah. And so, where are you at with the perhaps large growing group of people who are seeing this as something other than a health issue? Uh, I, I think for me, I'm trying to help people where they are. And some people are, are struggling physically and they're struggling with uh, not just with the disease, but they're struggling economically because a lot of jobs have been lost and we're trying to help those people. The other thing that we're trying to do is provide some teaching online that really is about mental health. So I have a, a mental health professional, uh, uh, Dr. Chris Cortman, who's been in Venice for a long time. And uh, he has many in his, in his uh, office that work with him. One of them is my daughter, who's a licensed clinical social worker. And she goes down and has a full uh, slate the days that she's there, helping people work through their issues because anxiety, worry, fear, trauma. And so for 10 weeks, We've shifted our teaching. They're more, uh, this, it's called Remind, the series we've started. I just 
uh, had the first one last week. The second one we recorded yesterday or Wednesday, and we'll play it on this weekend and all the service times. But people can go on. It's only about a couple of songs and 20-minute talk. And we refer to the psychologist because I think he has good things to say about, uh, for example, the first week, emotions. They're not mysterious uh, visitors. There's a reason behind your emotions. And then this week, it's your emotions. So figure out what causes your emotional response. And we can see where it comes from. And then the second step is, well, and then emotions drive our behaviors. So we get a handle on our emotions. Then we can get a handle on our behaviors. And we talk about compulsory, you know, obsessive compulsive people, which honestly, there's a group of those, but all of us have a little obsessive compulsive in us. Uh, We don't always take the time to reflect. And we're trying to give very good, mental health, good science, but also provide lots of hope. Mm-hmm. So those, that's kind of a combination of what we're trying to do. Okay. So, and, uh, but we're giving away a lot of stuff at the same time. And, and that's uh, the lady who's really having the best time at Suncoast is her name is Susan Hickman. She's the, the person who's in charge of all the benevolence. And she said, thank you. This has been the greatest thing in my life to be able to give away. Uh, we've given away 10 cars this year. So, and uh, thousands of dollars, the church seeded the fund initially with a big chunk just to make sure that people get help. So and we're going to continue to do that. You've got an unusual model, which uh, people probably don't know at your church is uh, you've approached it as a, an intelligent businessman and not, well, usually the church is always begging for money and you made use of your building to create a passive income. So you're not in that needy position. Correct. That's correct. So that rent check we get from the school, and it's a great school, but we share a facility. Mm-hmm. But we're not in the, we're not totally dependent on the the gifts and offerings from people who are in our community. But what we discover, if we're out to help people, there's so many who want to get on board just with helping people. Mm-hmm. And when it's about, hey, give to the church so that the pastor can drive a new car or live in a nicer home, I, I want to see when I give to benevolence, I want to see it go right to the needy. Uh, I really want to give to the community and uh, we've given a lot of money away overseas. And when there's a world event, we try to go and provide in some resource there, but primarily we're in the Suncoast area, Sarasota, Manatee counties, a little bit Charlotte County. Those are the counties we're really making an impact on. Mm-hmm. So my experience going through all this is, um, Gosh, a couple of years ago, I kind of began this inward journey and was able to almost retire um, and begin really kind of pulling all the threads of my life together so that when this hit, it hit me as really a spiritual event that has physical manifestations. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of people who really have no interest in the church on every any day in their life are starting to look around and say, sounds a whole lot like Armageddon to me. Right. <laughs> and, you know, people are starting to see things line up and say, wow, what the, hmm, you know, it just kind of makes me, people are asking a lot of questions and getting some pretty weird answers. And um, for myself, I really do have this sense that, collectively we are christing we have this opportunity to come into the fullness of our being through the experience of being uh, locked in a room with all of our shadows you know right. i mean talk about a no escape from your anxiety and your demons it's like it's 
either you cower in the corner and say, please don't hurt me, or you find a way to rise to the occasion and okay, say, why is this able to hurt me? You know, what right. can wake up on the inside of me through this experience? And um, it seems to me like an amazing opportunity and possibly really is that which has been foretold. Well, and I, I'm a, a skeptical of anyone who talks about the Armageddon and there's some big televangelists are saying, this is what America gets. This is because of their sins. And I just will roll my eyes and go, that is poor theology, poor teaching. It does not help people. I, I've learned in my life that I, I quit blaming God for anything that happens. I don't blame him for a pandemic. I don't blame him for anything. I, I tried to look deep within and find him all around me in my quiet moments. I think he is the source of life. I think uh, if that's true, then we need to we need to live as much as we can. Right. I think he's the source of love. We need to love extravagantly, which we try to do. And if he's the source of being, which I think he is, and I think we should be driven to be the best version of us we can be. So those are three things that I think, who, who is God? He's not some guy sitting up, a uh, old gray guy in the clouds on a, on a golden throne, just saying, oh, you need to be punished. You know, you're going to be, uh, you know, I'm going to smite you in some way. But I've heard recently someone, my brother called yesterday and said, yeah, I just heard from this national figure. I won't use his name, but he said that this is just God's uh, correction for all the sin of America and the world. And I just go, boy, if that's God, I'm sorry, then I'm an atheist. That's just not, right. that's not God to me. I have to redefine God for me that fits in the mold for me. And I think as I go back into studying ancients, and I do, I find uh, there's some great truth that still has gotten so muddied or diluted or so, so convoluted mm -hmm. that uh, I have to leave all that behind and find, uh, and find it for me again. And that's what I, and that gives me an opportunity to teach a truth that's not scary, that's not so far to the right. And it's about, Kaylee, it's about, as you know, it's about this love principle. You know, we, we like the cup of joy. We live in the joy moments. We find the silver linings where we can. And we try to help people as much as we can. And I think that's where my purpose is. Uh, mm -hmm. Not in blaming God or giving God credit for all the negative things in, in the world. It's just, well, it's not satisfying. So, so. Yeah, well, exactly. Exactly. If the church is going to be relevant, it's got to give people something that they know they need and not, you know. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I'm not there. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. So what I'm reaching for is this, um, well, I'm reaching for the mystical aspect of it because that's, you know, that's where I'm coming from. And in sure. our previous conversations, we've come to a place where you said, you know, I'm not a mystic, but I sure talk like one sometimes. And what I'm, what I'm seeing happen, uh, say with physics, I mean, hard science, uh, it's not mainstream yet because I'm watching people really at the cutting edge of, of the, the high sciences who are really finding a union of science and spirituality. You know, that this world we're inside of ultimately is a manifestation of our consciousness, yeah. uh, which gives us ultimate responsibility for that consciousness, for the thoughts that we think and the emotions that we allow to grow in the, the garden of our lives. And within that construct, 
the darkness, you know, which we could call evil or error or whatever you want to, is an aspect of the light. And, you know, the Bible says, well, everybody works for God. You know, I, I made the bad guys for the day of judgment. The day of judgment, as I understanding it, being the day when you judge between what you believe and what you don't believe. Mm -hmm. um, God made the devil because somebody has to play that role. Uh, we're, we're in a story that is playing out. And, well, let's talk about Armageddon, which is one of those words that, you know, everybody has a response to, but we don't know what it means. It means that time when the veil comes up, when we see what was really going on, and it turns out it was actually pretty cool. Yeah, I would, I would have a different definition. Uh, uh, Har in the Hebrew means mountain, and Megiddo is a city by the mountain. Right. And there's a, there's a passage of land between Jerusalem that goes north into Israel, into the northern area. So if someone were to attack Israel, they'd have to come from the north mm -hmm. because there's, there's the Jordan River and all the desert to the east. So they have to come either the north or south. And a lot of the major battles in history for Israel were fought in the, in the near Megiddo, near the mountain of Megiddo. So Har or Megiddo, Harmageddon is this futuristic battle that's going to be the time you know finally there's going to be a battle for israel it's going to come from the north that's evil but we like to we turn that into a, a pop, apocalyptic term that really talks about the end of humanity or something like that or some big judgment battle day mm -hmm. i think uh for me if people say well do you think this is an armageddon i go no i think this is a terrible thing that's happened i think that we're going to get through it i think at the end of the day there are going to be some people who uh, we'll be grieving because they lost loved ones and our hearts go out to them because there is no, you know, nothing we can do to salve a loss like that. But uh, on the other hand, we have to be hopeful and say, but the future where it's going to be resilient, you and I, are, you know, we didn't just get here. I remember polio vaccines and I, you know, and the TB and the smallpox vaccine. I still have the, the scar on my arm from that whole thing. And, but we'll be, and I take a flu shot every year because I think that's being a responsible person. My wife doesn't, but she probably will this year. But uh, so, but should this scare us? And a couple of things I want to bring out. A few weeks ago, I talked about Exodus chapter 20. I love this passage uh, because the people are instructed to come to the base of the mountain. And Moses is there and he wants God to speak to the people. God wants to speak to them. And as they get there, this cloud covers the mountain and theologists call it theophany when God is revealed as a cloud and blood, thunder, and lightning. And the people are terrified. They see the chaos. They're terrified. And they say, we can't go on the mountain. Moses, you go talk to God for us. So sacrifice your leader. That's always a good thing to do. Uh, uh, Pastor, you go in there. You know, if we lose you, no great loss. So, but he, but it's in that story, there's this one verse that is, is really uh, one that gets me. And Moses approached the thick darkness where God was. And I will tell you that people who say that God is not in the darkness have not read that passage and they not live through depression or anxiety or fear or grief because some of the most difficult times in my life, he's been there. And where is he? Why doesn't he take care of all this? Why do I have to go through this? Why does God do all these things? Wrong questions. But the real question is, you know, when I'm quiet before him, and this is my mystic side coming out, his presence is there. Mm -hmm. Sometimes in the darkest times, I know he's there. So I tell people, hold on. You know, there's, there's joy even to be discovered in the darkness because it's there you can feel his embrace. And I'll tell a quick story. 
we all like stories. When my daughter was very little, maybe one or two years old, we went to Northeast Tennessee, Sweetwater. It's called the, uh, yeah, and there's, a, there's an underground lake there. And they take you underground and you're in total darkness. And we're going to turn the lights off. It's going to be the first time you've probably experienced true total darkness. And they turned off the lights. You're way underground. Hold your small children because they might be frightened. Mm -hmm. And as I was holding my one and a half or two-year-old daughter, they turned the lights off. And she reached up and she put her hand on my face just to feel and make sure I was there. In this pandemic, for some of us, we just can't see it all. We don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. I know people that are just, they're, they're bruised, they're beaten. And, uh, but I, want, I would suggest take a deep breath, breathe out slowly, and, and reach up and, and feel his face. Because sometimes he's as close as a breath. He's as close as a whisper. I think he's all around us. He's in us. He's in those things around us. And I, and I practice that. I have a little, little thing I do. I take a deep breath. And as I breathe out, I simply say, the Lord is my shepherd. Mm-hmm. It's from this 23rd Psalm. But it's just simply to say that and be reminded, it's going to be okay. And it calms me. And it, it calms my spirit, calms my heart, and brings me back into focus where I need to be. So that's a, that's a, enough uh, preachery, sermony things. But <laughs> oh, it's hard not to. I know the impulse. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> get on a roll. You just want to keep on going. Yeah, I got it. I got it. But, but those uh-huh. the stories are fun. But but we are going to get through it. I mean, my I have a son who's thirty three years old, and he's not been to my house. He, right. he and his wife. They are social distancing. They will not come. I have daughters with kids. They're here a lot. Mm-hmm. So the grandkids are around, but, but, but some people practice it to a different level and they need to, and it's not a one size fits all. And whatever feels right for you mm-hmm. is probably what you need to consider and not yeah. follow others. I think it's really important to trust our instincts right now. Because there's so much confusion about who's telling the truth and what the truth is. And even when you listen to the same talking head, the story's different from week to week. I mean, people are starting to pass around a meme that, you know, just kind of illuminates all the different things we've been told. And they completely contradict each other. So what can you trust but that voice of the, the spirit within? I agree. I agree. Of course, those memes that are going around are classic, too. My favorite is the famous uh, Lord's Supper, you know, Leonardo painting where they're all at the supper and they're all sitting at the long table. Mm-hmm. Only the, they're all in boxes like they're in a Zoom meeting. <laughs> Jesus is saying, hey, Judas, you here yet? <laughs> so, and I think it's just, we, you know, we laugh at those things because they bring us back to reality. I mean, yeah. uh, this is a different time. We're living through an age, an epic, a uh, pandemic mm-hmm. that we've never seen. You and I are not new to the world, but we've never seen anything like this. But here's what I, I will say, but we have seen our history tells us we will get through this too. Right. Just uh, don't panic. Uh, yeah. Take a deep breath and uh, say a few, the Lord is my shepherd and calm yourself, find your center, find your, your cup of joy, experience the love of God in whatever form that is. And I think uh, you'll be okay. So. What I see underneath the, um, choking panic that people are feeling is you know one of the big elephants in the room is our fear of death 
because uh, we do collectively a really horrible job of dealing with the only thing that we all know is going to happen in the human experience. I mean, when you're born into a human body, the only thing that is on everybody's agenda is you're going to leave that body at the end of your story. And we, we spend all of our life force trying to pretend that it won't happen. And because of that, we never actually enter into the life experience. Uh, and that's, that's kind of what's right up in our faces right now. Right. I love to talk about my brother who passed away a few years ago with leukemia. He had a little phrase that I, I loved and I've adopted. He said, I said, how's it going? He said, well, I'm going to live until I die. Mm -hmm. And when you face mortality and you realize how hey, you have leukemia, you only have a certain amount of time to live, then all of a sudden you begin to live. Uh, and I don't think people truly live until they realize, hey, I'm going to die someday. Right. And I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to. And uh, no one has ever survived this. We're all terminal. Exactly. So, so let's live. Let's don't waste our lives. Don't fret away our lives. I'm not saying we ought to run out to uh, the busiest place we know so we could try to contract the disease. Or, uh, but uh, to me, I, I, the way I deal with it is humor. I laugh at things. I laugh at the fact they close the boat ramps and only captains can go. So boat captains go down there and, and uh, they, but if you have a client, yeah, they have to park somewhere else. They can't park in the parking lot because they close the parking lot. Mm -hmm. And instead of having three or four boat ramps, they have one. So you go, why would you do that? Or now, my favorite this week, only essential activities are allowed at the beach. Right. What is that? I mean, yeah. if you're, it's essential you walk, but if you sit, that's a non-essential. I mean, some of these things are so vague that I just find that as I, uh, I poke fun at it, and I laugh about it because some of it is just absurd. Mm -hmm. But my coping mechanisms, one of them is laugh your way through. And, uh, and it, it puts things in perspective for me. I, I don't take myself too seriously, and I surely don't take anybody more seriously than I do myself. So uh, we just laugh about it and keep a jovial spirit. Now, I'm not naive. I keep both eyes open, and I try to make sure, you know, I own a mask, and I bought masks, hundreds of them, gave them away to people who need them. But, uh, but there are some funny things about, you know, we, we have this huge congregation. We serve 1,500 donut holes every weekend and have for 22 years. We come back, you know, we just need a mother bird to drop them in people's mouths as they walk by or something like that. I don't know how it's going to work. Uh, but, and really, it's not about the donuts. It's just about, uh, it's not about, uh, the things that used to be about I, what really hurts me are there are some people that I know that tell me, you know, I have no physical contact with another human being in a week. Right. I come into a community and, and I look forward to the hugs that I get here because those are the only, I don't shake hands. I don't hug anybody right. and they need that. I think we need that contact. And I think that's going to be affected in the future in some way. And yeah. That's, that's, that's basic human humanity that we're, you know, that that's the, the monkey brain needs that a lot, that physical touch. I mean, we know that babies who don't get physical touch wither away and their brains that's don't grow up and they don't actually become human. And I'm, I'm starting to observe a little bit of withering of that as we're being encouraged to, to be afraid of each other. My, my uh, Amazon guy, 
um, switched my package with the neighbors and I noticed it when I opened up and it wasn't what I, you know, ordered. And I looked at the labels like, oh, so I caught him and I knocked on the window and, and he was like, ah, I mean, like, you know, that's <laughs> like, dude, can I give this back to you? And, you know, then he came to himself, but that was like the initial response. It's like the angel of death has come to me and she is a customer. And there's this big healing we're all going to need whenever we are released from our houses to really be with each other because this this fear is going so deep that my my death is coming to me from the people I thought were my friends and my family and you know how do we consciously open those doors back up again and trust life right. agreed I have one of the guys that works for me um, he's in his 30s mid 30s and his mom has had cancer she lives in Indiana and she's on chemo and she's very frail and they find out she has the coronavirus. And it, I would just happen to be standing there with him outside when he got the call. And here's this adult and he's weeping because of his potential loss of his mom. And she's in the hospital and they don't think she's going to make it. Uh, she, since then, fast forward a little bit, completely recovered. Now she has antibody. And here's a lady that, you know, you got to watch out for those people in their 60s if they have these, you know, immune issues. And she had all the, the necessary negative to end her life, but she's still alive and she's doing well. So there's hope in every story like that yeah. that I think we need to tell. Now, another joke, I, I, this is just being naughty, and I, but I had eight brothers and sisters and it, the banter is normal. Uh, but for example, we have a big sign on our office door. We have one person working in our office per day. And we have you know many staff people, but only one goes in because we're practicing social distancing. Everybody else is working from home. So we have a big sign on there. We practice social distancing. So if the Amazon guy comes in, we're sitting over there and they put the packages over there, whatever. So we keep our distance. But I thought we had these masks. So for those who really need a mask, I thought we'll just hang one on the front door and say, please put this mask on when you come in and put it back when you leave. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> see how wrong that is. But that's my, that's my sixth sense of humor. Uh -huh. Simply go, let's laugh our way through it. Let's put out the absurdities and, uh, and find that all, there needs to be a little more joy. I mean, it can't be all, you know, death and dying and panic and, right. you know, the, the next test, how many people need to be tested and all that stuff. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of disturbed about the whole testing thing. I mean, that's because, I mean, you talk about the science you know, and the different things that we're hearing is like, we should trust science. Yeah, but I know science well enough to know how wrong it can be. You know, my degree is in psychology and we had to take a statistics class essentially so that we'll know when somebody's cooking the books. Because right. you know how to operate numbers and how easy it is to say whatever you want to say and how, you know, how uh, discerning we have to be when we're taking in information. And there's just a lot of stuff that's not adding up right now. Um, it's hard to trust. It's hard to trust it when it changes every two or three days, yeah, right? Right. So, so objective science should be objective science, but uh, of course the scientists would say, well, the data is changing, therefore the models keep changing and all the different things. But I, I, I don't have all my uh, uh, confidence in the scientific method. I have my confidence in the scientific method. I don't seem to have much confidence in the results we'd be getting later. Yeah. Yeah. And it's going to, we're at a point now 
where the numbers no longer justify the actions that we've taken to protect ourselves from the first numbers. And, you know, we're all just sitting around waiting for the powers that be to, to let us out. And, and, I mean, some people are starting to say, you know, we need to break out of our cages. And some right. people are starting to say, if you go outside, you're killing me. And it's just, it's a tumult. Yeah. I agree. I, I think that's, I think you described it pretty well. <laughs> there are people that just live in that, that point of panic. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, one of the great places to go would be the beach, right? Cause there's yeah. plenty of breeze. It's not, and it's hot here yeah. and people have something to do, but, and I think next week they'll probably, uh, they're going to start reopening the beaches in our area, mm-hmm. uh, but only to essential beach activities, whatever that is. I mean, yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, it, well, it seems like salt water is a pretty excellent antiseptic, so getting in the water has got to be essential. But, I think know, the bath- so. But the bathroom at the beach strikes me as a kind of a scary place. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think I, I don't go to the beach very much, so I, I don't. So that restroom is probably off my radar too. But, uh, uh-huh. uh, but um, no, I, but I can see where people get panicked. I can see where they have anxiety, and I can see there are reasons for it in the media. We have more media today telling us all the statistics of what's happening all over. And the, at the bottom line, we may find out a week from now, they come out with something that's going to change all the way we think. And I'm hopeful that they come out with some kind of test or some kind of antibiotic, antibody thing or whatever uh, will take care of it. But between now and then, I've decided to live my life every day. I get outside. I do things that I sh- maybe I, I take longer bike rides. I spend a little more time reading. I'm napping, which I'm probably in the pool with my grandchildren more than I ever have been. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm just trying to uh, uh, do the normal things, I think. Uh, you know, it'd be nice to have friends over, which we're very social, but uh, we just, we're just making do with what we can. So, but I feel really, my heart goes out. For example, I have a friend of mine who's single, school teacher, dates a girl in Arkansas. Mm-hmm. And I just go, man, he's he's in the same apartment all day, every day, teaching online, doesn't go out. And I just, uh, I find the need, I got to get out of here. Yeah. So, yeah. so find something constructive to do. So. I'm, I'm really grateful for my animals right now. You know, I got a nice fluffy bunny I can cuddle and I have a, well, nice good. a cat who comes around for affection and that's made a, that's made a whole lot of difference. Yeah, and I, I, I'm glad for people who had those uh, because you need it. And if not, uh, I would challenge people to get outside in the sun. Something mm-hmm. wonderful about the vitamin D. And they're saying even now that it's important, vitamin D, zinc, a couple of things that'll, that help people. Uh, so take advantage of those because we live in a sunshine state and there's lots of sun. And uh, you can look at me and say, have you been in the sun? Trust me, I, the only time I go in the sun is if I'm walking from my car to somewhere. Mm-hmm. I'm not a beach person. I'm not a sun person. I'm a shade seeker, but I get this much sun because I refuse to stay inside. Mm-hmm. So I'm out early and sometimes out during the day, but, uh, but I think it's healthy and I, I want people to be healthy. I want you to be healthy, whatever that takes, you know, but what does that mean? Right. Right. And, and I mean, I think that's part of what I, I'm hoping we take away from this is beyond not being sick to an actual goal of thriving, you know, and thriving is, thriving is bubbling over with joy. That's what builds your immune system. That's what builds your community. That's what 
you know, I mean, that's that, that golden glow that surrounds somebody who you, you want to bring into your community. Uh, and no, I, no, I agree with you. I think that, uh, but I think the, the isolation can have a positive effect on people's lives mm-hmm. if they don't let it go too long. But I think some of us need to slow down and take these points to re- reevaluate some things that are important to us and, uh, and to have a quiet time, spend some time in meditation, breathe in the scents, the, 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 the sounds, the, all the things that are around you sit under a tree for a change and, uh, and enjoy nature. I think it'd be very helpful. That is critically important. I would say, cause I, as I understand it, the root cause of most of our modern diseases is a disconnection from nature. Um, I mean, on a whole lot of levels, you know, we're not physically connected. We don't get the electrical connection to the, the ground, the literal ground. And emotionally, spiritually, the story that we've been told doesn't have a mom in it, which, you know, as I understand biology, you can't be a father without a mother. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm looking for a future in which the story embraces the whole family. I agree. And I, I think, and it may be, we're so gender specific in what we say, but really, it's really a, a, a very gender neutral. Love is not gender specific. Being the traits of a mother or father God really are not gender specific. There are traits, it could be a mother God, uh, mother nature. I think there's all sorts of maternal things that are, that are nurturing and, and helpful. They're not specific only to women, but uh, you know, we live in a world that's not necessarily uh, woman dominated, it's more male dominated. Mm-hmm. But the characteristics that, that we need are those very nurturing, wholesome, helpful. You, know, you study psychology, you understand what people are looking for is not an authoritarian. They're looking for someone who will stand by them and love them and care for them mm-hmm. and, uh, and walk with them. Or, or even when you walk through the darkness of grief, someone's there not with the answers, but there's just someone there. Right. And, yeah, uh, it's, that, it's that I'm afraid that a whole lot of us have, I don't want to say, well, lost track of, become disconnected from our ability to believe in a nurturing love, whether it's right. male, female, human, that uh, this like existential loneliness right. seems to be the new normal. And I, I look at what we're being programmed with, and it seems that there's, you know, there's a one-to-one correlation between the stories that we're being fed on a daily basis and our inability to trust life. Right. But wouldn't it be wonderful if every day you woke up, someone said, hey, uh, or you said to yourself, I am loved, accepted, and free. Mm-hmm. And every day, the people that spoke in your life say, you're a wonderful person. You're a wonderful human being. Go be the best version of you that you can be. Love deeply. Care for people. Don't get ticked off in traffic. Don't let your anger dominate. Let your compassion be yours. And I think when we do that, that we found the God that's within us the God that's all around us. And I think that's the wholesome part that, uh, that we can find even in isolation in a pandemic, we really have walked into the darkness where God is. And, uh, and I'm glad to be there. 
you hit on something really important uh, that's, I think, part of the equation is when we take responsibility as opposed to, you know, wait for the big guy to save us. It's like then we, we come into this power that really does have the ability to, to change things. I mean, that gets back to that science and consciousness um, mm -hmm. that the, the energy that I allow to keep circulating in my mind, in my emotional body, in my energy system is going to become the world that I'm living in. Right. And to Agreed. say that I am helpless because the life does that to me, well, that's a trap you just can't get out of. But taking responsibility, even if it means I have to pass through a position where I'm responsible for a lot of things I don't like, ugh, right. you know, right. so, so I have to show myself mercy, like the God that I would Agreed. want to be Agreed. real in right. order to stand up in the power to make a better world. You know, there's a lot of catch-22s that you just have to start spinning forward into a better reality. Hmm. No, I think that's well said. I mean, the, sometimes the worst we deal with is our own internal saboteur. Mm. And we take responsibility for that person or that thing. And uh, or we, we love to blame it on friends, family. I mean, I, I used to laugh and say, the reason I got married is so I'd have someone to blame for all the stupid things I do in my life. But, but it becomes ridiculous to blame God. Mm. Where I find the help and source of my life is something that's all around me. And I find that the person who short circuits that mostly is me. Mm -hmm. It's not someone else. And when I, when I at least take responsibility, then there's the possibility of a fix. Because if it's always you that's creating my problems, I can't fix you. But when I say it's me, then I go, hmm, maybe I need to pause and think about my emotions, my behavior. Mm -hmm. And sometimes in that internal dialogue, there seems to be more there than me. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and that brings health to my life. Yeah. I think it makes sense. Absolutely. That's been a real key for me. Um, and especially now, I mean, you know, with emotions heightened, it, it tends to be the darkest ones that come to the surface. And a whole lot of people looking for something to somebody, something to blame for a whole lot of things. And, um, you know, in some ways I'm repeating what I just said, but maybe with more emphasis is I, what I find at the root of a lot of despair and stuckness is that we have told so many stories about what we're going to do to that bad guy who made all this bad stuff happen that the step of saying psycho like, oh, <laughs> turns out that was me um right. is really daunting you know because we we haven't let go of the punishment aspect yet you know this punishing god is inside of me this this paradigm that says um i'm going to keep a record of all the bad stuff so that you know we can settle that score at some point right. but the lesson as i understand it that jesus modeled for us is about this crazy radical forgiveness and the power that comes from learning to embrace it i agree I think that's, I couldn't say it any better. Mm -hmm. so, no, you, you and I are on the same page on a lot of things, which I'm grateful because I think uh, both of us are positive. Both of us want people to do well. We want them to take responsibility and, and live their lives. But, uh, but you can't live your life just with all the externals without the internals. Mm -hmm. And the real things of substance are love and freedom and uh, faithfulness but not fear. And, uh, you know, faith is not something that I just put out there. It's, 
For me, it's more like doing what I know is the right thing to do on a regular basis. And people say, well, he's very consistent about what he does. He's very faithful in the way he treats others and treats himself. He's very consistent. And I think that leads to a more healthy life. Uh, but, you know, in the pandemic like this, we're, we're humans. We're wired from a psychological perspective. We go to the refrigerator. You know, that pattern is there. We know it. And you put a couch in front of the refrigerator. And we're going, <laughs> error, error. There's something. And now we have this coronavirus that's blocking our normal activities. And our brains are wired differently. And at some point we have to say, okay, I am aware of what's going on. I understand that 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 barrier is there that was not there before. But I'm also aware that I'm going to find another trail and create new patterns. And maybe I'll find health and wholeness and then more than I did even before. Mm-hmm. So, so there is a silver lining to every cloud if you look yeah. hard enough. Yeah. Well, and that's my that's my story and I'm sticking to it. I mean, I'm on the right. same page. It's like that's the story that I have decided to tell about the world is it has to have a happy ending or it's just a stupid story. And I didn't come here to live inside a stupid story. We can do better than that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. I agree hundred percent. So, but uh, these are terrific times, aren't they? I mean, yeah. If it weren't for this, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Exactly. Exactly. And it is an opportunity, you know, because right. if, if we're honest, I think a whole lot of us have been wishing for a long time, wouldn't the world just stop and give me a chance to rest? And now we have that chance and we're just complaining about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I want to get back into my routine. Uh, uh, you know, I want, you know, I want to walk that same path. I always walk. And I understand that. And that's part of human psyche. But, uh, but it's also, I, I think there's just, we can find wholeness and health in this if we just look for it. Mm-hmm. So my, um, my prayer, my declaration, my offering to the world at this time would be that this is a gift to us, that this is our opportunity to go to the editing room and make sure that the story we're telling is the story we want to live in. Because one way or another, I think however you frame it, I think we all understand on this deep level that the world we're going to live in is the world that we're imagining. Right. And if I'm imagining a world full of enemies and darkness, then I'm going to be fighting enemies and darkness forever. But if I can grab onto that inner fortitude to envision a world that's beautiful, that we share together, where we believe that the force that is shaping the world is a force of beauty, then that's right. the world we're going to live in. Right. And that, there's a simple phrase I heard years ago from a, a lady who had uh, breast cancer and was passing away. And she was a wonderful, beautiful lady. And she taught me this. She said, you know, every day is a gift. Mm-hmm. And there's a person terminal understanding every day is a gift. And whether we're in normalcy, whatever that is, or in a pandemic, every, I don't know that this whole pandemic is a gift per se, but it depends on how you look at it. I mean, every day is a gift. And, uh, you know, we're not in the hospital. We're not in ICU. But here's a lady who was in the hospital saying, hey, don't forget. Every day is a gift. Every day you live is a gift. And don't waste it. So I don't want to waste mine in seclusion. Or I surely don't want to waste it in anger or fear. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to sleep it away. I want to, be, I want to make a difference in the world. 
And I think I do that uh, when I display the characters of Christ or the characteristics of Christ in my life, nurture, love, compassion, wholeness, uh, all the good things. I want to be a part of that. And I, and I think we both do. Excellent. So um, go ahead and take a minute and give a little, um, give a little commercial for, for your, your place, what you're doing. Oh, well, Suncoast Community Church is a church that's, uh, it's open and accepted to all types of people. It's a not a right-wing fundamentalist church. There are things that we teach there that probably are different than other churches in town. We, we're, we've had lots of stones thrown at us because we are just a little more open-minded. So, you know, I don't like to use the word liberal, but we are a liberal church. What does that mean? We're liberal in our love for people. It's not about uh, making the Bible a God or turning the pastor into a God, but it's about trying to find him in all the, all the aspects of life. So, we're about three things at Suncoast, and we think those are very important things. We're a hospital, not a courtroom, number one. Second thing we try to help people do is take personal responsibility for their life. Quit blaming everyone else. It's probably you that moved here or married who you did or divorced who you did. Whatever, it's your choices. And, and lastly, um, I think that everyone brings something to the table. Whatever your gifts, abilities, resources, you need to share them with your community in some measure. It's not all about you, but it's about what you can do to make a difference in the world. And that's my commercial. And it's really about, we're, are we normal people? Well, I'm the only normal person in the world. <laughs> Everyone else is abnormal, right? So, Absolutely. Uh, and we seem to come together in community and there's a great bond there. But, uh, you know, we, we're not after people's money. We're just after making a difference in our community in some God way. Terrific. Uh, What's your website? It's suncoastcommunity.com or that CARES website is suncoast-cares.com. And you can, if you need help, if you need, you know, some groceries or whatever, go to suncoast-cares.com and click the button and they'll tell you how to fill out an application. And they, they, they turn this around in a day or so. So you get it, we mail out gift cards or public cards or whatever we do. And we pay some bills online, but you don't have to come to the office. It's all done electronically. So suncoast-cares.com. The church is the suncoastcommunity.com. And you can find messages, teachings, music, all kinds of stuff. If you want to find it on YouTube, you can do that as well. So Terrific. just, uh, but it's fun. I, we have a lot of fun. I tell a lot of jokes. It's a lot better when people are there to laugh. So, but uh, anyway, that's who I am. That's what we like to do. Great. Thank you so much, Larry. I appreciate you you being here with me and uh, sharing the airwaves and sharing a vision for a beautiful world that we can all walk in together. It's my pleasure. Thank you. Absolutely.